0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection,
1: Welcome to the Square Ball podcast with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball with 20% off for key workers. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan and Michael's with me as well. Michael Normanson. Hello. I'm Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Issue 8 of our fanzine is out now. We don't have any games to sell it at, but you can buy it via the website. And if you're looking to get hold of the mugs, the new Bielsa mugs have actually sold out twice over now. So we're taking a third set of pre-orders, but it's important to note they won't be ready in time for Father's Day. Now they will ship on June the 29th. The Leeds Street Fire mugs are on there too. Coaster's available too to put your mugs on at thesquareball.net. Well, football's back and we will be previewing Cardiff shortly, but no John Kevin Augustin. He's injured again. What's the point? Shall we just give all this up as a bad enterprise and just come back next season and try again? I'm
2: currently at the stage of trying to pretend I don't care. Having been massively excited to see him now, when he was looking lean on Instagram a few weeks ago, I'm now going, well, it's fine. We started the season without him and we just had Pat Bamford and, and Ketty did a little bit, but we, we're fine. It's just Bamford and that's okay. But maybe I'm putting a brave face on it.
3: Don't forget Tyler Roberts, who was finishing magnificently just before lockdown and was looking as brilliant as hopefully he won one day will consistently be. Also, there's one man we can rely on to stay fit. Slight risk of his hamstrings also coming out through his mouth at some point. Yeah, it's a bit annoying, isn't it? And it is hard to know what to do about him because I would quite like to watch him play for Leeds and be brilliant.
1: But there's also that part of you that thinks, do we want to drop 18 million quid on a guy who remains completely unproven? Now, mind you, we did address this before, didn't we? When we said it's no different to signing a player in the summer. The question mark, I guess, is over the fact that his hamstrings have gone twice. He hasn't really played in a couple of years. Would it be
2: a gamble? I think it's safe to say, yes, it would be a gamble.
3: Normally, you would say, well, he's, you give him the summer and then you give him a pre season and then see how he should be okay or get up to speed with Bielsa's training. But the break that we've had since lockdown started has actually been longer than a summer between two seasons and doesn't appear to have helped him get ready for what Bielsa puts him through in any way. So that option feels like you're kind of, you're narrowing that option. And there is the the spectre in the background of Shea Adams contracts and negotiations where it's hard to judge because Shea Adams was the one that we had all lined up to sign and who Bielsa said, yeah, he will be the one. But reading what Victor Orta has kind of said about it since then Bielsa's Opinion on him where he said, I can't believe that we've managed to sign this player and he should be worth 40 million pounds. A lot of that was because they didn't think Augustine was ever going to be an option. So it was like, right, Shea Adams will be the one. So it's now hard to kind of go, well, Shea Adams comes available, could be the one. But then if Kevin Augustine goes and gets his hamstrings sorted out and suddenly is the most incredible striker since Marco Van Basten. It's, yeah, I'm glad I don't have to decide. Can we have both?
2: It feels like Che Adams was the safe bet, the steady option we could have gone for to get us up this season. But I don't know, Augustine just felt like he was potentially a more, had a bit of Premier League quality about him just because of how how well regarded he'd been in the past. Whereas if we go up and sign Che Adams, it'd feel a bit like, oh, a bit of a letdown. We're just getting some other Premier League's cast offs.
3: Did you see Victor Orta's slightly catty comment about the Che Adams deal? A couple of weeks ago where he said that they had a he thought everything was arranged but then he went and got an assist in a match and Southampton decided they loved him or something along those lines and it was kind of like that was the reason why it all fell through there's always something with poor old Victor if it's not Hugh Jenkins at Swansea saying he can't have somebody it's Shea Adams actually doing something in a game I'm pretty sure we were
2: we were recording a podcast as probably
3: a match ball as Che did that we were looking
2: through seeing if he'd if he'd made the bench we were like oh he came on and got an assist uh,
3: maybe an issue I wonder how many um, mobile phones Victor threw at the wall when he got that notification through I don't know the thing with Augustan then, is that it is all potential and it is all kind of it's contingent on him getting his fitness finding his feet in the Premier League getting up to speed with Bielsa's style of play adapting to it, all these kind of things to get him to be the player that he can be. It's whether his ham- hamstrings, for one thing, will allow him to actually do that and then whether it wouldn't be easier just to say, let's just have Shea Adams who may not hit the the £40 million heights but might hit the £35 million heights and that would be enough.
1: It's slightly worrying, isn't it, that at 22 Augustins... Um- hamstrings are a wee bit uh, questionable because i mean that's what it boils down to is this isn't it it's the injury it's whether he can remain injury free going forward
3: well it happens and when we don't know the details like with tyler roberts we didn't find out until long afterwards that it was kind of did cocked up his operation and it was a very specific reason which i can't remember the exact details of but there was a specific medical reason why he could not recover it wasn't that he kept having different injuries and he's particularly injury prone. It's just that nobody had realised that it all came back to this one problem. He had an infected, he ended up with an infected knee, didn't he? If I remember correctly, oh no, that was it. They put a, a steel pin in and that got infected and nobody realised that that was what was causing all the problems until they, they finally got in and, and sorted that out. So the, it's then about baseline fitness, I guess, but you don't get the chance to build that if you, if you're trying to come back and something goes again. I mean, I am no, I'm no Rob Price. I do not have shelves full of disembodied muscles that I can twang at the wall like rubber bands just for entertainment. But I think it's when you're rushing back from an injury, trying to get ready for for games again, and particularly under a, a strict sort of hard worker of his players like Bielsa. You probably got that little bit more likelihood that something's gonna go again. Whereas if he was you know, if he was on the do fuck all regime of Colin Wanker, um his fitness would probably be absolutely fine.
1: The way you've just described that then, Moscow, I've now got visions of Tyler Roberts being operated on by Dr. Nick Riviera from The Simpsons. Hi everybody, I'm Dr. Nick.
3: <laughs> there was it was something like that. Phil Hay got the full story a, a couple of months ago, and it turned out that there was there was some specific thing that was actually quite dangerous for him in a way, but there's often that it's been this similar story with Adam Forshaw, where it's not been new injuries happening to him; it's all trying to solve this recurrent problem. And once you crack it, you can move forward. It, but you know, we don't know whether that's really Jean Kevin Augustine's problem. And the other side of this is whether Big Kev will, will want to stay. Whether at the end of this, he'll actually decide, you know. We gave that a go. I've not been able to to play. My legs hurt. Can I just go home, please?
2: I really hope that's how the meeting goes. My legs hurt. Can I go home?
1: <laughs> well, football is back. The reckoning's pretty much nearly over now. Then, how do you feel about the return of the game? I mean, all political and safety questions aside, let's deal with it in purely football terms. Are you are you happy it's back finally after three months? Because it's pretty much the longest you will have been. During our lifetimes, without any football, because normally, you know, every second summer you've got a tournament to enjoy, or you maybe got you know four to six weeks off in a regular season. But it's been three months.
2: I think, like most people, I'm delighted and terrified.
3: Yeah, it felt easier to uh, to look forward to it coming back until you realised that it involved Leeds United.
2: Yeah, it's that thought that we might actually lose some games again, and that it matters. I'd, I'd become accustomed to the idea that it was looking like points per game. And it's easy to give it the big one when you think you're going to go up on points per game, going. oh, it'd have been nice to play. I was really looking forward to playing those games, but never mind, eh? We're just gonna we're gonna to have to go up automatically. It's the right thing to do to put us up. And I would have wanted to play the games, but as we weren't able to, we'll just take that promotion. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next year. And all of a sudden, they've called their bluff and they're making us play these bloody games. And I don't want to play them anymore. I want to just go up.
1: It'll be glorious if and when we do go up, though. It feels to me still like, Benji, I said this last year, that we're going to go up. And OK, it's not going to be what we hoped it was, and we will maybe have our chance to party in due course. But I'm just looking forward to the possible occasion. Even if it's just the three of us sat in a room somewhere, uh, socially distant, then that'll be fine for me.
2: It's still the proper way to do it. I mean, as much as it would have, I would have thought it was fairer than not going up with the league table as it was, it's not doing it the proper way, is it? At least this is, you know, some form of sport going on to decide a league season rather than just some people sat in a room voting on something.
3: Although I would say with the the eagerness to welcome football back and that three month gap without it, how much Bundesliga has anybody watched? Well, not much. <laughs> but I don't support a Bundesliga team. No, but it's you know it's the passion for the game, isn't it? We just love watching people kicking a ball around. That's what we all wanted. Get Watford versus Burnley on the telly so that the whole nation will rejoice and it doesn't matter if a game's being played in Career or Dortmund? Everyone's going to tune in, and then when it comes down to it, everyone's not asked. Wait until later. When I was
2: when I was younger, I definitely used to like football a lot more than I do now. I think primarily I'm a a Leeds fan now, and not much else (laughs) in terms of football. I can watch other games when I feel like they've got something in them, and I want a team to win. I don't know. I feel like when I was sort of fourteen, I would happily sit and watch Burnley against Watford and be pleased with watching it. Whereas now I'd just be thinking, ah, do something else. Maybe that's just because I've got other stuff to do these days.
1: I think there's, that's part of it. I think it's because you've got kids and stuff now and a family is that you have a different approach to time management, don't you? Because those animals take up a lot of it and then you're left with le- less free time yourself. So you sit there and think, ah, do I really want to watch Burnley versus Watford? Because it's shit, they're shit, I don't care. It's a big corporate jolly on the telly. No, Nobody gives a shit apart from the fans of those clubs. However, if you're in those fixtures... That's what makes the difference, doesn't it? I'm I'm exactly like you. I hate football now, but I love Leeds even more.
2: As well, I think the difference these days is I can spend all of my time looking at Leeds stuff if I really want to. There's enough out there that I can just be a Leeds fan. It's not just looking at page 302 on CFAX to try and while away some hours when there's no actual games on that you're going to. You know, you can watch all the games, you can read about stuff all day on it. So, I don't know. I'm glad for it to be back. I think, it, and it is... For me, it's about Leeds being back as opposed to football as a whole being back.
1: It's all about uh, your drug of choice, Michael, isn't it? You've you've sacrificed all the other drugs now. You just want your heroin. That's what it is. Exactly.
2: I found the best one. I'm sticking to it.
3: Do you think we can arrange to be the the only team that comes back and maybe just have a, a tournament where teams only play against Leeds and that's it? As far as I'm concerned, that is
2: the tournament.
1: And we mention all this because the game is back on Sunday, but they've been jigging around with the fixtures Already because Sky TV is effing this and effing that and so on and so forth. A question about this bloody Thursday five o'clock kickoff, followed by travelling to Swansea to play on the Sunday. We've got like three games in under a week or something, haven't we?
2: It's got a nice Europa League vibe to it. I think if an early kickoff on a Thursday, get us in practice for a couple of years' time when we have to go to um, Macedonia or somewhere.
3: We can, and because it's against Stoke, we could maybe get them to wear a different coloured shorts and pretend it's PSV Eindhoven. Yeah, that works.
2: Olympiacos, are they playing red and white? I can't remember. I mean, it is, five o'clock on a Thursday is ridiculous. It was one of those games where you thought, Thursday, bloody hell, that's a bit odd. Five o'clock, what? This isn't a time that football happens. I mean, these
1: are the Good Friday, Easter Monday fixtures, aren't they? So I don't necessarily have a problem with a game being Thursday, Sunday, because it's no different to Good Friday, Easter Monday. But then to factor in a further midweek game straight after that is a little bit of a, a, a blow. Are
3: well, there are big celebrations of Good Friday Eve in your house. You do know that we've had Easter, don't you,
1: already this year? That's kind of the point I'm making. I
3: mean, I didn't get any eggs. Uh, they didn't arrive? You didn't send them, you bastard.
1: Did you see that the, um, the fixtures have been moved around for the final day as well? And this has caught my interest. You know, if you subscribe to the Legion fixture calendar that you can, you can do online and it automatically updates the Charlton game. I mean, I know they're trying to deprive us and move games to all hours, but the Charlton game has, as it stands, been moved to midnight until 2am UK time on the final day of the season. That that feels a little bit off to me.
2: Is Sean Harvey back? Is this for um, broadcasting the Far East or something? Maybe we're
3: playing it there. Maybe we've been playing Championship Manager on the extra ball and we did that little tour to Wuhan itself. Maybe this is part of, the, uh, part of the recovery exercise. We're going to play the final round of Championship fixtures out there. I mean, uh, Major League Soccer, all their games are being played at Disney World. So I don't see if there's any reason why Sean Harvey can't take us to a, an equally exciting resort.
1: One thing I have enjoyed from this uh, in the last week is the crowdies and the sheer volume of them that have been purchased for Ellen Road because 15,000 is a lot. So if you take out the West End where the cameras are going to be and stick them all in the, uh, the cop, the South and the East behind the, uh, the advertising banners, that's going to pretty much take up all the lower tier, which is going to look pretty impressive even if we can't be there.
2: I've not ordered my code through yet for mine, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'll maybe let the listeners decide. Do I go for a me or do I maybe stick Wyoming Ken in it or some other friend of the podcast? I don't know who else there'd be. Open to suggestions, basically. Yeah, good shout. I look
1: forward to seeing what you can come up with. I enjoyed particularly the ones of Lee Johnson, the little half-height ones, people putting his head around his his midriff, things like that. It's stuff like that. It's the little things, little things. Well, League 1 and 2, all done now on points per game. And... um, Thank God we're not going to be in the Championship to witness this, but it's uh, Coventry and Rotherham. I mean, Rotherham making their annual trip up to the... Uh, or their biannual trip, sorry, up to the Championship where they will promptly get relegated again.
2: They do it so easily, though. Like, us and Sunderland and Portsmouth, teams like that just toil away in League One for years on end. Rotherham just make it look so easy every single time she's he's getting out of there. They need sort of a,
1: a division in between the two, don't they, that's just for them. And maybe, like I don't know, Barnsley or Doncaster, I don't know. Yeah, so uh, do you see the uh, the playoff outcome is the most interesting one here in, in League One. Wickham, Oxford, Portsmouth or Fleetwood will be making up the next uh, championship team and only sort of, two or three points between all of them, including Rotherham there up towards the top. And the, the Fleetwood-Portsmouth game, which was the last one before lockdown was no thereabouts, 2-2 draw, which saw them both into the playoffs. It's been worked out that a win for either side in that game would have seen Peterborough into the playoffs
2: instead. It does feel a bit harsh, but then i, I for some reason I quite dislike peterborough i don 't really, i can 't put my finger on why it is was it just darren ferguson 's stuff because my initial reaction was that 's quite funny but equally harsh
3: there 's an element with with peterborough where I mean Darren Ferguson is terrible Darren McCantony, the chairman, and Barry Fry, uh, who's kind of the director of football they can kind of, they 're all right in in small doses, and some, and sometimes McCantony is is interesting. Sometimes he's is annoying, but you know, it's quite nice that he's so forthright about the way he runs his club and and doesn't hide things and is pretty upfront. But I think if you if you take it as a as a combination, it's pure hell. Like I'm, I mean, you know, Barry Fry is, is Barry Fry, and I'm content for him to to live his life and be as jolly as he wants. But just kind of imagining him as a constant presence in your life. With McAntony, and I assume Darren Ferguson is, is currently their manager. Um, if he isn't, he soon will be. It's, it's too much.
1: And there's that whole thing around McAnthony of, it's good that he's open, as you say, there, Moscow. However, it does become a bit too much when you're hearing from him all the time. And, you, and that's what tends to happen with the more vocal chairman. They just never shut up, do they?
2: And, you know, the fact is Portsmouth and Fleetwood did draw. So maybe they deserve to have a point more than Peterborough each and be both being there. It's never going to be fair, is it, when you end a season before the end, but, you know,
3: suck it up. Yeah, it's not like this has happened for no reason. You know, there has been a worldwide pandemic in which hundreds of thousands of people have died. So there's no way of having a perfect solution, trying to find something that does the most good for the most people and the least harm to the smallest number of people. was the name of the game, and inevitably, some people were going to be left with their disappointed without getting what they they wanted. It's just the way it
2: goes. Tranmere May were going to Sue as well, apparently, aren't they? Because they went down. Which Again, they were slightly hard done because they had a game in hand and they were only three points behind AFC Wimbledon. But, you know, if you've been shit for the first 36 games of the season, that sometimes happens. How about this then? We say bollocks to them because they're not leads and we don't care. What do you reckon of the
1: Adidas kit leak? I want to get your opinion on it. And this will revisit a thing we touch on often around the kits in that you kind of go, I'm a grown man. Not really asked. It doesn't matter to me that much. But did you like it? The stripes?
2: Mm, it's hard to get excited about. It's not quite a replica of that Yeboah kit. I think that's the thing. They've they've almost gone for that. If it had been blue and yellow stripes, I'd have thought it was great. And if it had been Tony Yeboah, Brian Dean, Away kit, that would have been
3: great too. But it's neither. It is quite difficult to work out the colours. The website that leaked the kits have they've actually reposted it and said they've tried to colour adjust it. To more accurately reflect what it looks like, the colours do have names. The colours are mystery green, which is taken from, and I I did a search on the Adidas like shop website to see what other products use that. The only other products that use a a mystery green at the moment is a Juventus warm up top, and then the other colour is legend ink, which is a little bit more widely. Is there's about seven pages of products that have at least some element of legend ink you can get these uh, um, all blacks rugby training tops as well that are mostly red but the accent colors are legend ink you can also get a spider-man backpack in mostly legend ink and a a hoodie it's quite popular the spider-man range has a lot of legend ink and also um, juventus training tops and um, anthem jackets as they're called that they, they walk out in also are legend ink so that did make me wonder what aspects of this appealed to uh, Juventus fan Andrea Ratticciani when he was giving his input into the kits, the um, the Juventus warm up colours and the Juventus warm up colours, or maybe is a huge Spider Man fan as well, which is which is fine. So, but until we actually see the finished thing and see just how green the mystery green is and how legendary the legend ink is we talk we must have over the years spoken about ken nordeen's jazz poetry about colors this is the kind of thing he he would get into he, if you go on youtube and search for ken nordeen colors you'll get him talking about the, the the mystery green the green that is never seen and there's there's always um, something about um beige trying to get past the secretary of red and all this kind of stuff and it, it often feels like you're getting into that when you're trying to work out exactly what colour a football shirt is.
1: Often do. Happens all the time for me, that.
3: So what colour is it? Green and blue.
1: Okay. I'm just looking at the mystery green and I think that is definitely a better idea than two blues. I'm looking at the, the, the mystery green stuff online now, yeah. And it's if it's a riff on the old ASICS kit, then, then why the hell not? And I think the thing with added ASICS, you've got to remember, they generally make safe fairly unremarkable kits and that's part of what you get when you get ass. you know it's got the three stripes on it and they're sort of vaguely in leeds colors and that's fine you know let's let's give it a waz and see what happens and in another year it'll be gone and there'll probably be a third kit so who cares
3: didn't middlesbrough have a an away kit and the when they were sponsored by dickens that was pretty much in these colors i'm sure they had like a, a green and blue stripe with, with bits of red on it yes they did in fact i can see it now around the same time as our uh Our green and blue, in fact, they had a a fatter-striped version made by Area. Yeah, and it had like um, thin yellow pinstripes, not red as well. They had a a more vomitish shade of green as well. And the one I'm looking at has a green-coloured Burra badge on it too. I'm glad that we haven't gone down that line with this. If there is one thing to be said for this um, Adidas shirt, it's that it's a full-colour badge rather than what we saw on the the black and neon macron monstrosity
2: i'm glad the L U F C down the middle's back as well because the centenary badge it always irked me a bit that they got rid of it because they've replaced it with what's essentially nothing just some lines that don't mean anything it's
1: worth adding that we had mixed feelings about the the gray and pink one and i will now go back on my initial misgivings and say it's the first lead shirt i've bought in about 20 years so can't have been all that bad i'm sure we'll grow to love it and will look great in it with Premier League badges on the arms. That's the only important bit, isn't it? I mean,
2: that's the thing with all shirts, isn't it? If The most beautiful shirt in the world with Scott Wotton wearing it is never going to be one you remember fondly.
1: We've been linked to more footballers, one of which sounds attractive, Juan Foyth, who is an Argentinian centre-back from Spurs, ticks a number
2: of boxes. He's in the Bielsa class of 22 years old. Would you fancy that? We were linked with him before, weren't we, when the thinking before was that Pochettino would give him to Bielsa because he's his mate. And then he started playing him instead, which was selfish of him. But now uh, Mourinho's coming in and he doesn't like young players, does he? He likes reliable, wise old men in his defence. So he's now potentially available again. And I think Mourinho keeps playing him at right back as well, which isn't his actual position. So, yeah, we'd have him. I mean, I think this is a transfer that is based upon us going up because I don't think he'd be wanting to come and join us in the Championship. But you keep telling me we are, so that's going to be fine.
3: I don't think Mourinho's really playing him much at all. I think that's part of the... The problem is very much a, a Pochettino player, and um, Mourinho ain't got no time for that kind of nonsense. And all the all the connections are, are there with him being from Argentina and being picked by Pochettino. Pochettino is a protege of Marcelo Bielsa, and so it, it all comes together. It's quite he reminds me whenever he's mentioned of Thoth, who I once saw in Central Park in New York. And I've just looked up his Wikipedia page now. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about him until just this moment when I heard Dan say, how did you pronounce it? Foyth. And I was like, yeah, it's not Thoth. Who is Thoth? And I've remembered that he's the performance artist known for his uh, eclectic mix of violin, voice and dance performance. Who? Um, yeah, I was walking through Central Park and found him. He was just stomping around, screaming, playing a, a violin and a, a loincloth. I'll be honest. That sounds awful.
2: I mean, when you said
1: "foth," then I thought that was the guy from the Goonies who shouts, "Hey, you guys!"
3: It's it's all a, a question of taste. He's he was very good at it. What he was doing He's a is a soprano singer. There was no doubt he could definitely sing, and he could also play that violin. And there's been a documentary about him. I now learn for which the the filmmakers made won um, an Academy Award about his life and performances.
2: Can he play centre back?
3: <laughs> I mean, it could be an option if this guy wants to stay at Spurs. He, um, his motto from his website is that he heals through divine preformance. So he might be better as a physio. He could take over from Rob Price and he can sing at John Kevin Augustine's um, hamstrings until they're all better. He sings in a language he himself created, the language of the Festad, a mythical people and land in his Solopera, opera, which is his one man opera.
2: Can't write lyrics. That's what he's done there. So he said, I've written lyrics, but they're in my own language. But they're very good, I can assure you. Also,
1: don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. That's a separate independent message from all the stuff that went before it. Who the hell is this guy? Because I've heard nothing about this rumour. This one's completely new to me. Patrick Eris? Who's he?
2: Don't know either. He plays for Nuremberg. I've just said earlier, I don't watch the Bundesliga much. Yeah, he's been linked. I mean, it was the Daily Mail, so whether you can believe it or not. But he's basically been linked with a load of different championship clubs because he's out of contract over the summer. So he'd be a freebie for his 25-year-old. Don't know. Plays a bit of football.
3: I like the detail that he tore his ACL in 2016. As long as he hasn't torn it again, hope. There's there's some hope there. And if if we're bringing in uh, Thoth, then maybe the uh, the healing powers of his soul opera will, will also do the, the job with Eris
2: what does he do oh, Well, he says he's a midfielder on on Wikipedia but then if you go onto YouTube there's no kind of skills video of him which is a bit disappointing because you expect that of even the shittiest player but there is a clip of him looks like he's playing centre back where he fluffs a clearance then it ends up chasing back and then his I don't know the keeper is but a Kiko Kasia-esque keeper runs out and headbutts him on the edge of the box and they score so he'll fit in perfectly is it Felix Fiedwald? Yeah, I, I don't think it. I'm pretty sure it's not, but you can see they maybe went to the same goalkeeping academy.
1: Well, thank God we will have Spider Boy in Nets on Sunday as we take on Cardiff. Actual football to talk about, which is thrilling and terrifying in equal measure.
2: Do we know if they're definitely putting the crowd noise on? Because we might be able to hear Meslier's voice booming out if there's no crowd noise, which I personally would prefer. And women will fall instantly pregnant at
1: the the very sound of it. Can you get a Crowdy pregnant? This feels like an experiment. I'm not willing to try.
3: <laughs> if, if we hear of an, uh, an arrest at Elland Road the night before our first home game, we, we might have to get somebody else in on the podcast.
1: I've forgotten everything I knew about football, which was very little indeed. And as we were just discussing earlier, I absolutely hate anybody who's not league United. So tell me something about Cardiff. I'll teach you
3: Cardiff is shit and they can fuck off. Anything else you need to know, you can ask me.
1: I mean, it does leave the podcast a little bit short of material. So if we could pad that out just a little bit. I mean, let's face it, padding in, this podcast out with shit is our
2: expert area. So let's give it a try. I mean, we could, we could tell you about the style of play, but it's quicker to just say they started the season managed by Neil Warnock. They're finishing the season managed by Neil Harris. What do you think their style of play is? I
3: think they have the um, the lowest or the second lowest possession statistics in the league probably the world again. Yeah. It's just banging it forward. And Sol Bamber is, is obviously there. And I noticed he um, already last week, he was talking about this game and you'd think on the return of, of football and with um, so much at stake in terms of broadcasting and, um, and everybody trying to make this work, you'd you'd be, the message will maybe go out saying everybody needs to, to hype this up a little bit. And, and Sol, He does start that a little bit. He says, you know, it's always nice to to play against Leeds, my former club. Now I'm with Cardiff. I want to make sure we win the game. Um, It's a massive game and it's good to be part of it. But then he says, in these games, you have to make sure you don't lose it. Obviously, we're going to try and win. Uh, and we're playing at home. But if you can't win it, you've got to make sure you don't lose it. It's going to be one of them because we've got nine games to go and a point gained is better than nothing. So there we go. We've already got Cardiff in the great return to football that people have been waiting for three months for going like, well, all right, lads, let's see if we can get a knicker n- point today and then we'll, we'll just get out of this. Rubbish. Close them down.
2: We're just going to try and kill this. Just keep it in a corner from the first minute. Take Take 10 minutes over every throwing. And there won't be that resistance from the crowd if they do start time-wasting
1: either. So, yeah, you do wonder.
3: On that, I saw Neil Warnock's comments about um, the return of football this morning. And his his take, obviously, on games being played behind closed doors was that there'll be no way for the crowd to get on the back of the referee. That's all... All he really had to say about the return of football, you know, I mean, normally, you know, you've got people there, they're calling him all sorts. And he, you know, he, and, he, and he make a decision for the old team. Everyone else, but he can't do that now. There'll be, there'll be nobody there to, uh, to put any pressure on him. So they might actually make some, the uh, some decisions. They will be going out how, how they used to. That's all he's got. And it just lays it absolutely, absolutely bare. How much of it is just the crowd will harangue the officials. So we will win the game. Don't worry, Neil. There'll still be a referee to blame for defeats.
1: Michael, you've recently come round to the position of thinking that the empty stadiums might well prefer Leeds United. How does that sit within the frame of this game? Do you think we're going to come out of the blocks and smash
2: them? Uh, It does feel a bit like... I can't say it, can I? Yeah, is the short answer. But I don't want to have to say it or expand on it because it'll just make me look even more stupid. I think, yeah, I think we will benefit from it. I think we'll be fitter than them. And I think... Probably of all the games we've got left, this is the one that you would choose to play behind closed doors if you could, because we just don't do very well at Cardiff over the years and it, it I don't know, it adds an element of randomness into it, which we don't need. If we if we just need to play the mini game of football, we will win. It's only if weird shit starts happening that we'll lose this.
3: I mean that everything's going to be weird. Oh, that's true. There is almost nothing but weird shit involved in, in everything that's going to happen over the next six weeks. And it's a long time since Cardiff were kind of that annoying. I think we got it out of our system with the, um, the matches click mistake and the Liam Cooper when he just kicked that guy in the head for no reason under Thomas Christensen. We've kind of coped with it a little bit better.
2: Have you forgotten what happened earlier this season?
3: Oh, but that was at our place. We we're talking about going in to, to visit oh, okay. them. And also, uh, Lee Tomlin was injured for this game when it was originally proposed. And he's their only good player, so I assume he's still injured for this. So that <laughs> won't be a problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, this, that's one of the things, isn't it, about this whole, you know, is is X, Y, and Z fair? Lee Tomlin was meant not meant to play in this game, and now he will. And John kevin Augustin, at least, has had the decency to crock himself again because he knew that he wouldn't be fair if he was fully fit.
3: There is a man who understands sporting integrity. We've got to keep everything as much how it was before now. So he's gone out and twanged his own hamstring just to to keep it fair.
1: A man of honour, a man of great honour. You see, I hone in on the phrase that you used, Michael, which was football in laboratory conditions. I think you used that a week or two ago. And I think that suits a Bielsa side really, really well. I think it's exactly the sort of conditions that
2: a Bielsa side should, in theory, thrive in. And we've seen our players; they've all come back in really good shape, and you know, looking lean. Whereas, I suppose, I suppose that's not Cardiff's game anyway. Isn't looking lean? But you know, will Lee Tomlin have come back any leaner than he always is? Probably not. Will in Flint and Morrison and people like that, like the big units that they have, will any of them come back sharp? I don't know. I don't really think they will. It's whether or not that matters against us when they just need to run six yards to try and head
3: a ball. And I don't think our will to win is as dependent on the crowd backing the team as it has been at other times like the the two games from last season when we came back against Aston Villa and Blackburn the players did that at 2-1 down admittedly you can correct me if i'm wrong because i i, I missed the Blackburn Rovers game but i i can't imagine that having conceded in the last minute an awful free kick to Blackburn to go two-one down, the Elland Road was at the most optimistic, supportive. Well, come on, lads, you can still win this atmosphere. That seemed to just come from the players themselves, going, you know, no, we we attack twice, we score twice, and we win. Same, Aston Villa was an away game, so you, you're going to uh, you can't say that was down to Elland Road, and then the Birmingham game earlier this season for all it's it's madness. I know that Leeds away fans are always louder than. Than the home crowd, but you can't rely on the the smaller portion of a of a stadium to be helping you. It's there's a lot that just comes from this group of players. It's not that they don't need support, but I think they're they're better equipped than um, than a lot of Leeds teams that we've seen to just go well whether the fans are here or not. We'll still do it for them because we're wearing the Leeds United shirt and we're here to win. So we just keep attacking until we do. It was the Pablo Hernandez quote a couple of weeks ago. He says that what he loves about playing for Leeds United under Marcelo Bielsa is that um, when we're losing, we attack, and when we're winning, we attack.
2: I think one of the things as well that an empty stadium gives is that they might not have the crowd supporting them or on the back, but from the players' point of view, they they can't hide from Bielsa anymore. And I think he's him and his assistants are quite ferocious in the what in their standards that they apply to them. Now. Berardi of the week saying that some, sometimes you think you're playing well and then he'll, have, he'll give you a bollocking. Not He didn't say in those exact words, but he can be dishing out those bollockings live. There's no way the players can be like giving it the old ear of and you know, I just can't quite hear you over here on the far touch line. They're going to be able to hear every word of Bielsa and they're going to have to follow his instructions.
3: It is going to be interesting to see how that works. I mentioned this in my evening post column, I think last week, because most of the technical areas, I mean, Gary Monk just stands there on his own because his backroom staff all secretly hate him and don't want to speak to him. Whereas the, the Ellen Road, the Bielsa technical area is always a crowd of numerous coaches and everybody milling around telling each other things and jumping around. It's why they're always getting bookings because they're persistent standing. Effectively, there's always too many people standing up and somebody's translating Bielsa and somebody's doing this. So the, there's quite an adaptation will have to happen with Bielsa's choreography of his technical area of how that works because most of what I've seen in Germany has been the manager standing out in front and then you've got the coaches sort of sitting at several metres, two metre I guess, separations in the stand behind him and our dugout is probably only big enough to get three coaches in at, at once and the. The substitutes have to sit somewhere else, so it'll be interesting to see how we work around whatever the new regulations are. I, I still remember Uwe Rosler saying that in the week before Bundesliga restarted, they, they were getting like thirty pages of new regulations and updated regulations every couple of days. So they don't have to say, Oh, right, okay, no, apparently you can't bring sausages in. Yeah, have to do, take the sausages out. Potatoes—that's the new thing—and they've got to be blessed by the spirit of Tony Eboa if it's um, Hamburg. I don't know what I'm talking about now, but yeah, apparently that was one of the rules that all potatoes had to be blessed by Tony Eboa to make them fit for Bundesliga consumption. You know, I don't write the regulations. That's just the way they were deciding to do things. I'm sure Bielsa can work it out.
1: Interesting talk from Old Beaverface, their boss, who said that playing Swansea in a friendly is about as close as they could get to playing Leeds. Is
3: that because they play in white? Also, they had no referees or linesmen in this. They just went for it. So maybe that's what he meant as well. No holds apart. Sounds endearingly like park football, doesn't it?
2: I quite enjoy it. I like to think one of our lines, one of our subs will be running the line. Heading down to this one then? Anyone? <laughs> no, Dan. It'd be the wrong thing to do. You're not allowed into Wales, are you? I mean,
1: I don't mean you personally. I mean, it was a royal you. Uh, well, on both counts, no. <laughs> and of course, the, the trust, the supporters trust have been urging people not to go the hashtag stay away campaign, which we're happy. I think we're happy to get behind this, aren't we? Yeah,
2: very much so. It's stating the obvious in many ways, but I think it's good to just remind people that it's really not a good idea to go to Ellen Road to watch games. You can't watch a game there. That's the main reason not to go. You're just going to be stood looking at some brick walls. Whereas if you stay at home, you can watch it on telly, which will be better, is what I'm saying.
3: Yeah, and the, the Cardiff game is going to be useful practice for that. Don't go to the Cardiff game and just get that kind of muscle memory so that when there's a game at Ellen Road, you don't go to that either. That's the plan from, from now on. It's not perfect. It's not how any of us would want it. But yeah, certainly seeing something on LUTV or on Sky has got to be better than just standing outside Ellen Road when you can. I mean, it's 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 nice enough, but Ellen Road's better inside and they're not going to let you inside. So there's no point in just looking at it outside, especially when it's Luke Ayling taunting you, that big banner of him kind of beckoning you in. And he doesn't mean it. They need to replace that banner, actually, as part of this campaign. I think it's brutal with a big hand just going, no, not today, mate.
0: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: If you are a long-term listener of the podcast, you'll be aware that we've had various sticks and batons changing hands across the last season or two. Uh, The Blasphemy baton, now dead and buried. Uh, We do have the Booze baton, though, that span off from it, which was starting in Leeds for the first game of this season, Leeds holding it as the destination for our end-of-season promotion party, which we will get around to at some point. It span off into the Sangria stick, so we've got an abroad version and a domestic version to give ourselves more party options. In short... The domestic version is being held by Palace for now. They go to Bournemouth on Saturday with a 7.45 kickoff. And the Sangria stick has actually been in action in Spain because Atletico Madrid took possession of it from Liverpool some time ago.
2: Yeah, it was looking like it might be returning to a Bielsa club, but um, they've managed to only hold the lead for two minutes, did Bilbao. So it remains in Madrid after their one-all draw. But Bournemouth could end up in this weekend. I mean, maybe we go there instead. Can't go to Leeds. Be a nice place. Don't go to Bournemouth.
3: <laughs> there is still some uh, some hope in Spain because um, Atletico Madrid are playing Osasuna next, and then Osasuna's next game is away to Valencia. And then, if Valencia don't lose to Ibar, then Valencia then play Villarreal, and if they don't lose to Villarreal, they're at home to Athletic Bilbao. So there's still options. There's
2: got to be an easier route for it to get back to them, surely.
3: Yeah, but I've only, I haven't got the hours necessary to, to work <laughs> out every permutation of fixtures. All I'm saying is all we need is the optimism of one route.
1: On top of this show, there's the Phil Hayes show coming just before the weekend and the restart of the EFL with an informed take on Cardiff. Uh, there's a big preview piece okay. coming on the return of football on The Athletic that's going to be free to read for absolutely everybody. So check that one out. Uh, There's going to be a first-team player interview, fingers crossed, in the pipeline, all being well, but Phil doesn't want to jinx it by giving the name now. But watch out for that one. And a chat with Stephen McPhail, too. Everything ad-free for Athletic subscribers, all the articles and all the podcasts. And if you fancy a piece of the action, use our TSB discount at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. And let's get on to heroes and villains now, then, gentlemen. Who's made a smile and who has disappointed us this week? First, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Ken Bates is your first nomination, the former Chelsea chairman, or... Casper, Wyoming, city councillor, Ken Bates. It's up to you which one you want to go for. Any other Ken Bates from around
2: the world? I mean, actual Ken Bates was in the news this week because there's a lawsuit pending about some youth players who were at Chelsea and the way they were treated, but that's far too serious for this podcast, so we're not going to get into that um, in what is a lighthearted section. So instead, we're going to talk about Ken Bates in Wyoming wanting to kill his citizens, which we've talked about before with the swimming pools. This week, they've been discussing some to bring in some legislation about what you can do in buildings, essentially like the standards that uh, the landlords and people have to uphold. Um, So it's things like structures are required to be safe, unobstructed entry and exit points. Uh, There's got to be lighting in hallways and staircases. There's got to be windows, things like that. Everyone on the council is all for it, apart from one man who strongly disagreed.
3: What does he strongly disagree with about lights and windows and safe buildings?
2: It's not entirely clear. I think he likes... He's, he said before about how he loves freedom and things, doesn't he? I think he sees this as the government sticking their nose in, trying to make sure that landlords don't kill you, stuff like that. Unnecessary government. It's basically... It's like the English all over again, is what he's saying. We need to rise up against this sort of government interference. I don't really care about this, but could you do the voice? He's not said much other than... he strongly agreed... And moving forward until people were given the opportunity to talk in person which is a classic way of kicking this down the road for something he doesn't like he's like look this is it's all on a zoom meeting it's not fair if we were all in person there'd probably more be more than just me objecting to not electrocuting people but as it as it's on a zoom call no one else feels free to speak out so there's only me who wants to keep drains blocked for you so i, I will fight that fight
3: i'm all in favor of community consultation, but I do feel like there are some subjects where you you are so likely to find common agreement that you don't necessarily need to consult as widely as, as Ken thinks. For example, whether sanitary drainage should be kept free from obstruction. I think that's probably, if you ask anybody, he's saying that people, because of the online format of consultation, not everybody will have given had a chance to provide input I don't think they need to wait for the people who think that sanitary drainage should not be kept free from obstruction they'll have had their say if they really really cared about that they're the you know if the people who are in favor of blocked drains they're probably going to keep an eye out for this kind of legislation and really leap on it and have their have their say as same heating being able to keep rooms above 68 degrees you're going to have to you know, the people who are against... The
2: loony left. That's who is against it. Who's going who's gonna to want this?
3: Warm rooms. Antifa. They want
2: proper... They want all the proper wiring doing, which is, which is impossible. It's
3: better that... Um, Sean can never go. He's got a screwdriver. And then fuse box. If you are against radiators in rented accommodation, then this is your opportunity to see where... It sounds like Ken would like to hear from you. Never mind.
1: Honestly, nothing worse than having your pipes backed up. Honestly, I didn't care about any of that. Not cared about. Don't care about people. Just want to hear the voice. Who else is getting a villainy nomination? Lille. Oh, Sacre bleu! Pourquoi?
3: Even even though they are our less heralded twin city, we all prefer Dortmund because they gave us the the guy with the barrel. I don't know if Lille have ever actually given us anything apart from. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa because they sacked him and then he came here or rather they sort of they suspended him and then he he walked out and it was all uh, to do with an argument with his sporting director and I think Bielsa went to the funeral of a a friend in South America and they claimed he didn't have permission and he said he did and and all this and anyway got rid of them and he has been um, suing them ever since claiming unfair dismissal. He wants 18.6 million uh, euros off them in 2018 uh, the local courts decided the other way. They said that because Bielsa was asking for this 18.6 million euros, he should have to give Leo 300,000 euros for being cheeky. Effectively, but Bielsa and his team are continuing the fight, and he will be—he will have to appear in person in court on the 12th of February 2021. There was a, a hearing yesterday, and I, much as I am very much looking forward to Marcelo Bielsa going into court. And basically reciting uh, the lyrics from blues or rise. I think they should just give him the money,
1: and then he should give it to us to buy Jean. Kevin well, he's not going to keep it, is he?
3: <laughs> it's it's absolutely <laughs> obvious that Marcelo Bielsa is is chasing this money on a point of principle. I think he really is very annoyed about the Lille situation. I think this is one that has kind of got under his skin a little bit. That his uh, he was being. His character and his integrity were definitely called into question by um, the press, if not the, the the people he was working with, who he would hoped he could trust. But he's we know that he's not motivated by money because he gave away his entire personal earnings from his first year at Leeds to build a training facility at, at Newell's Old Boys, and it could well be that Newell's get a another training ground out of this if that's done. But just Leo. Just give him the money. Stop being dicks. You sacked him once. Just eighteen point eighteen point six million for having Bielsa managing you for three months and not realising how good you had it. I think that's that's fair.
1: Pay that money out. Pay the man. And another club being dicks, Nottingham Forest. Who
2: do they think they bloody well are? Have they seen the table? Where are they in the table? I've not. I've not looked you know, for a while. I know when they beat when they did. They beat us earlier in the season, and then thought they were gonna they were gonna overtake us. According to their captain, Michael Dawson, they're they're basically
1: top. Well, he's a dick and they're dicks because they are 10 points behind West Brom and 11 points behind us with nine games to play. They're formed, by the way, heading into the um, coronavirus shutdown. They had won one game in five and got three draws. So they had six points from five games and they thought they were going to chase us down. They were dropping like a
2: stone, the delusional idiot. Michael Dawson also fouled Julian Beckford, didn't he, that time?
3: So he's not as good as Leeds. That's what I'm saying. It's That's him who from that. It's him who's brought this attention on Nottingham Forest because he says uh, we've put ourselves in a good position and we're hunting West Brom and Leeds down. So let's keep an eye on that. Everybody, just watch out for Michael Dawson hunting us down and uh, see how uh, good a job he does. Is he a beagle? Who else?
2: Kevin Phillips. I mean, you could argue this isn't his fault and people shouldn't ask him about Leeds stuff, but I read a website earlier for about five minutes with some comments from Kevin Phillips that I thought were from Calvin Phillips, and I was really confused because it didn't sound like the sort of thing Calvin Phillips would have said. Was it Pornhub? <laughs> it was about Ben White and saying how he thinks he might go somewhere like Liverpool, but then come back on loan to Leeds next year. And I was thinking, why is Calvin Phillips saying this? And then um, it was Kel- it was um, the other one, Kevin Phillips. So I just think he should change his name. And he's wrong as well.
3: I have two nominations. Far away. First, Michael's optician. And secondly, uh Jean Kevin Augustine's hamstring. Not the man. The man's fine. I like the man, but the muscle. He deserves a better one. That hamstring can fuck off.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. Could we crowdfund a replacement? I mean I'm sure Rob Price has already got his eyes on, on somebody's hamstring. I don't know who it's gonna be like, but
3: He's probably got one in his uh his basket on the dark web, isn't he? He's just trying to get some uh some funds together so we can afford to have it shipped over
1: Uh, similarly another man whose muscle is deficient Adam Forshaw's confidence muscle seems to have betrayed him uh, this week because he was on the Leeds That podcast uh, speaking to those lads and was talking us up to an extent that has made everybody feel a little bit uncomfortable
3: even Patrick Bamford said he thought Adam had got a little bit carried away didn't he this is the last thing we need to hear it's going to be a formality for us that's my personal view on
2: it I think we'll romp it. I mean, Jesus, there's no way back from that, is there? <laughs> it's not. Uh, the lads are looking good in training. We're all very confident. I mean, uh, just just rain in a bit.
3: It's the fact that there's um, there's audio as well. So when we are crashing out in the the playoff semi final, and somebody has been uh, tasked by Sky to to put together the closing montage, they could just play play the recording of that over some very sad music of the uh, the footage of um, lead United players crying. Remarkable confidence as well, considering he actually gave an interesting insight into what the return to training and this is, is like, because they were asking him about how Tyler Roberts was was playing, for example, and he just had to say, well, he, he hadn't seen him. But he did, the contact he did have was that in the car park, he shouted across to Stuart Dallas saying... Oh, how's Tyler Roberts playing? And he shouted back. He's like, Yeah, he's doing really well. So we and even um I mean we were talking about the the stay away campaign that the the trust are putting forward and, and rightly promoting that even Adam Forshaw was saying, I don't even know if I'm allowed into the games at the moment and because he's injured, he's he's got very limited contact with the, the players themselves. But that just makes this even more absurd. He's not even seen us train.
1: <laughs> Adam, stop talking.
2: Stop. Talking, you clown. Well, in fairness, I think we probably won't be hearing from him for a little while, will we? I think if the club ever asked us, someone gets in touch, say, Have you got a player who could come on a podcast? They're like, um, yes, not Adam, maybe someone else. Get Kevin Phillips to do it. Right, is that everybody? If so, pick somebody. I feel like Leal. We don't need to having distractions. I would agree with that.
3: They were never, they weren't nice to him. The last photo of, um, Marcelo Bielsa at Lille was him, and we've talked about it before. He's sitting on his own in a, a cafe with a, a couple with like a bag for life at his feet, with presumably all the belongings he had brought with him to France. And he's got a laptop open on the table next to his his tea, probably the, the Lille equivalent of five guys, since we, we now know that he, he loves a burger. And he's watching their game on a stream to see how they were playing, whether they were still using his tactics after being sacked. I, I didn't know Marcelo Bielsa's life and career in any great detail at that point, but I remember seeing it and with the, the little bits I, I knew about him, Argentina and, and Chile boss and thinking, can't be right. Poor bloke. Somebody should give that man a job. Cheer him up.
1: And thankfully we did give him a job and that's the important bit. So Leal, you can shove it up your arse this award and it's going to hurt who's your andy hughes hero candidates
3: for this week then adam Forshaw's confidence it's a bold step go on does it nominate itself <laughs> i don't know if you heard him on the uh, the leads that podcast but i absolutely love hearing this I believe, we'll, I believe we'll come out all guns blazing no one will have worked as hard as we have brilliant Ex- exactly what i need i mean
1: he is scouse as well so you know
3: we are special we are special well this is it. It's, it. it all adds to it. Some of that um he's a, a Liverpool fan who, who played for Everton. Some of that Merseyside confidence coursing through our promotion running. I'm very happy to hear Adam Forshaw being so confident.
2: I mean he's not gonna be part of our promotion running, of course, but um you know, we'll ignore that for now. Yeah, well done Adam Forshaw. <laughs> Good to say he's
1: so confident. Um, who else do you have in terms of heroics?
2: But we're recording on the, the two-year anniversary of Bielsa's appointment, aren't we? So just a bit of appreciation for him, what's happened in the two years. I actually like Leeds United again, which I, did, I hadn't done for quite a long time. I was sort of stuck with them and I was happy enough with being stuck with them because it's not something you can change. But it's nice to actually like my football club again and he's been a the major part in that, so
3: thank you. I would like to thank him too. They showed the uh, the photograph from his first day on the job behind his desk and um, quite simply for bringing set squares back into my life. That was enough from the fact he brought a set square with him and had it on his desk on his first day. I'd forgotten all about them, really. I don't know when I'd last thought about owning or using a set square. There one was, and I didn't know I needed it until I saw it. I have said it before about Bielsa, but it bears repeating.
1: I think he's genuinely made me a better person, and he has improved my life just through learning his teachings, if you like. He's still got a lot of work to do, hasn't he? Christ, stay here. you. It's only been two years, Michael. There's plenty of work to go at.
3: If only he could do to you what he did to Click, who is also here as a hero, somebody's putting down for having a birthday, which, Where? I mean, we all have birthdays, don't we?
2: Well, it's 30, so it's a big one. It just paired up nicely with the Bielsa thing because it's weird to think two years ago he had a birthday and the club wouldn't have even tweeted about it because they'd have been like, oh, that guy, probably on his way out. We're not going to give him a special birthday message and since then he's played pretty much every single game for us and he's one of our most important players so for being 30 and for being good he gets nominated for being good for two years
3: Well speaking of nominations between gritted teeth there seems to be quite a lot of uh, people asking whether we would be nominating Marcus Rashford for feeding millions of children Put Ken in- Bates probably would be against it we need,
2: to, we need to have more people if feeding children is the right thing to do
3: well, that's, that's his point as as well. He's he's written a letter to the government, essentially asking them that question, kind of saying, do you, do you want to take over? Because I'm a footballer and I'm not sure how much longer you're expecting me to feed millions of children. Maybe you might have a way of doing it that you want to look into, all of which seems to be helpful and good and kind. And obviously uh, he's only doing it so that Marcelo Bielsa spots him and decides to sign him for Leeds. It's not the uh, the altruistic, generous gesture, not just gesture, act um, and action people think it is. Wants to play for Leeds, wants to play for Bielsa. When that works out, when he does come over to Pennines to play for us, he can be a well, hero. Um, they
2: will be sat on the bench, <laughs> is what we will be doing for the first year or so. Pat Bamford starts.
3: For now, he can just have a nomination because he is doing a lot of good stuff.
1: Yeah nobody likes to see a humanitarian stuck at a horrible corporation like that. Good luck to the lad. Well that must wrap it up there then because well, obviously we're not going to give it to a scummer. Um sh- should we give it to Bielsa just for still being here 2 years later? Or
2: Adam Forshaw? No, Adam Forshaw. Adam Forshaw thought he'd win it as well, but he's not He thought he'd romp it. <laughs> Cuz he's
3: special. Was special. It's Bielsa's all day long, of course it is. Great. I'm yeah, fair enough.
1: Pleased, yeah. And maybe now you just know, A terrifying thought is that his contract expires in a couple of weeks. (laughs) So uh, let's hope this persuades him to stay.
3: We don't have to worry about that. All we have to worry about is how much we're going to enjoy, I hope, a pre-match press conference this week. I know everybody's excited about whatever the game is on Wednesday. Is it a Manchester City playing a football match or something? Could not care less. They should clear all programming, put Bielsa on prime time.
1: One day sunshine. One day they will. Well done Marcelo Bielsa just for being you and being the greatest human ever. Uh, we've got the Extra Ball this week coming out. Uh, Championship Manager podcast on there too. We've made a big marquee sign-in and we've got a revelation about Manchester United. They've had a change of manager in our Championship Manager save and they've employed an idiot. So get across to that and listen to that on the Extra Ball. Uh, new mugs and coasters on sale on the website and please do pick up an issue A as well you won't be able to get hold of this anywhere at a football stadium because no one's going to any football stadiums because that's the wrong thing to do instead have a look at the squareball.net and we'll speak to you later on with a match ball later on this week see you
0: later the Square Ball podcast Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over.